Had experiences you can't explain? Seen lights in the skies that leave you baffled? Know that there are things that science just can't account for. If you answer yes to any of these questions or more, welcome to Generation X Paranormal. Know that you're not alone. I am with you. On this podcast, we'll explore every facet of the paranormal. Leave no stone unturned. If you're up for that, then I urge you to subscribe. And welcome to Generation X Paranormal. everybody. Thanks for joining. So we're doing something a little bit different now. Uh, we're not just audio. We're coming at you now in a different form. We've got ourselves a YouTube channel. That's right. A YouTube channel. I don't know why. It just felt like it was time. Uh, I think I, it's good to kind of get an idea of multiple different types of, of content. But at uh, any rate, so if you are a listener before on just the podcast, welcome back. If you're just finding us on YouTube, hey, we're really happy to have you. Um, on the flip side, if you listen to us on the podcast, yeah, we're available at YouTube too. So anyway, getting on with the program. Anti-aircraft guns went into action against unidentified aircraft in the Los Angeles area shortly after 3 a.m. Pacific War Time this morning. The anti-aircraft guns began barking during a blackout ordered by the 4th Interceptor Command at 2.25 a.m. The unidentified object, which some sources thought might be a blimp, moved slowly down the Pacific coast from Santa Monica and disappeared south of Long Beach. We're going to talk about the time the U.S. went to war against an alien, or perceived alien attack. Yeah, so some of you may not know this one. Um, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a different story, um, and I, I think it was kept from a lot of people during that time. But I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself. On today's show, the battle for Los Angeles in 1942. So you have to understand this this particular point in U.S. history. It, w- it was very tumultuous. We had just three months prior been attacked at Pearl Harbor. So now, granted, I'm not from that time frame. And when I talk to people who still are with us from that time frame, they tell us of a nation that is deeply in in fear, entrenched in fear. Sound a little familiar? Um, but yeah, so there had been a lot of warnings about potential attacks from the Japanese, uh, ranging anywhere from additional attacks in Hawaii to the entire West Coast. And in fact, Prior to this event, there was an attack, I believe, up uh, up North California, where a submarine, a Japanese submarine, was was uh, spotted and attacked. So, it was not unwarranted for for there to be a heightened sense of security, or needing a heightened sense of security. America was was really in grips of a. Well, we had we had been at war, or we knew we were going to war. I would imagine that's how it felt. Um, again, it's very, very interesting the, the similar parallel we find ourselves in. But um, anyway, I digress. So yeah, we had just come off the heels of Pearl Harbor, and um, you know it was three months. It was only three months prior to that. So imagine being in that situation. You're, you're, you're in the. I guess you're in the grips of knowing that you're going to be either attacked or you're going to attack. You have no idea what the future holds for you, um, and and it's not like it is now. We don't. They, there wasn't a way to consume tons and tons of information. It, it just wasn't available the way it was uh, or it is today. 
so I think the part that really <laughs> that really gets me is that you know these people were were scared and they were frightened and they thought a, an attack was imminent. So they're they they spot this craft coming, I believe, from north to south, and uh, it's moving really slow. Now, this is 1942. It's not a balloon. A balloon's not going to move that fast. And it's something definitely there because it's caught on radar. And they're not very sensitive radar is the way it is today. Army officials declined to comment on the possibility that the object might have been a blimp. However, it required nearly 30 minutes to travel some 25 miles. I mean, today you could probably see a gnat fly from, you know, San Francisco to San Diego. Back then, it wasn't the case, and maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, not a radar intercept officer, but nonetheless. So, they had this craft coming south, moving incredibly slow, slower than an aircraft. They didn't know what to do, so in an effort to keep airborne, uh, I guess if somebody was in the air, a Japanese fighter, so to speak, um, to keep away from seeing certain land or certain landmarks, certain things on the ground, they decided, hey, let's shut off all the lights in the city so they can't figure anything out. Again, this is past. Uh, this is prior to the days of, of some of the technology we enjoy today, like FLIR and things like that. So they went ahead and, and they blacked out an entire city, Los Angeles. Yeah, I, I don't think if you've never been to a city of that size, or or you, I guess maybe if, if it doesn't hit you the way the way I think it ought to. <laughs> Um, this is a massive city, even for that time, to be completely blacked out. And it wasn't like it was just done for 10, 15 minutes. They blacked the entire city out, uh, what turns out to be until the next morning. So all of a sudden, maybe you're sitting, well, actually you're not sitting anywhere because it was middle of the night. So, um, you know, you're fast asleep. So maybe the blackout didn't impact some people, but it did others. Um, and then all of a sudden, they kick on the uh, air sirens, air raid sirens in the middle of the night. I've been there. It's not fun. It will wake you up. Far slower than an airplane. Watchers on the rooftop of the Columbia Broadcasting Building in the heart of Hollywood could plainly see the flashes of guns and searchlights sweeping the skies in a wide arc along the coastal area. Concussion of the shells can be felt in downtown Los Angeles. 15 miles away. So, sort of looking at some things here, and I've, I've got it brought up, and I want to keep my, my facts as straight as possible. It uh, looks like, of course, as we know, it was February 25th, 1942. And um, it was at the air raid began at 2.25 in the morning. So, yeah, it would have been, would have been pretty alarming at that point. Um, and it was a moonlit night, which was... Probably one of the reasons they went ahead and powered down the entire air, um, the entire city. Um, but suddenly there was, you know, there was alarms, and it says that uh, searchlights swept the sky. Now, keep in mind, pitch black, well, moonlight, which is still pretty dark. Now all of a sudden they pipe these huge spotlights into the sky. And if you're a fan of of DC or you're a fan of Batman and stuff like that, you know that those things are bright. And it wasn't just one. It was, gosh, I want to say the pictures. And, and if you haven't seen it online, I'm going to show it on the video. The picture that they have, and we're talking 10, 15, who knows how many spotlights they had. And it was, it was just lighting up the sky. 
And what makes that what makes that even more interesting is that it's sweeping. So I mean, it it probably had a lot of people who were awake really disoriented. They saw airplanes in the air. Semi-official sources say they probably were the U.S. Army's pursuit. Several observers say they saw one or more planes spotlighted by 20 or 30 searchlights. The object moved southward, presumably over Huntington Park at the western edge of Los Angeles, and on southward to about Long Beach on the coast. By 3.30 a.m., observers said the object appeared to be over the south of Long Beach. Searchlights closely followed the object down the coast and kept it centered in their glare. Shells frequently could be seen bursting near the object, but none appeared to hit it. The shooting stopped about 3.30 a.m. That probably added to the confusion and and why people were probably notice noticeably and, and rightfully so really worried and scared. Um, so a lot of people thought maybe this was our first step into war. Um, they're coming to attack us. So I'm sure it caused a lot of a lot of angst in people. Um, but the the part that I think gets missed in this story is that being somebody of prior military as my as I am. Not only was I in the military, but I was also part of ordnance. And if you don't know what ordnance is, it's the stuff that makes things go boom. Okay? Lots and lots of boom. And it's pricey. It's very pricey. Now, I don't know the practices of the military back in 1941-42, but I can tell you that every single round, everything is always accounted for. So it's not like... It's not like you're given ample amount of ammunition and ample amount of 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 expense. I mean, it, it's very expensive. It is today, and I'm sure it was then too. And the figure that that blows me away is over 1,400 rounds are ex- expended. That's a lot of boom. And if if you're in the military, you know this. But if you're if you're engaging a target, you're not actually firing rounds unless you know there was a threat or an assessed threat. You're not just, unless you're doing cover fire or something like that, but you're still technically under threat. They shot 14, over 1,400 rounds at this thing, and it didn't fall out of the sky. So, I know for some of you that's not going to hit home the way it does for me, but I know for a lot of you, you're, you're going to understand that that is a lot of rounds. If you think about... Even the highest capacity magazine of any vehicle or any any legal weapon, we'll just leave it kind of how it is, it's around 30 for an expended mag and even 10, 15 for a handgun. At any rate, that's expensive. Now, these weren't just, you know, uh, you know, couple millimeter type machine gun type uh, ammunition. This was the big, big, big ammunition, artillery, not cheap. So, yeah, I think that's the part that, for me, really hits home. They had to know something was there. They engaged a target. I guarantee you they were given orders to attack this target. Now, I am a, a big believer in, in trying to keep and save face. I get it. And I'm sure that... Um, that wasting or not wasting, but but expending that much that much ammunition, people are going to ask questions. So the next day, um, you know, 
They find out there's been some minimal damage. There's even a few deaths from heart attacks and things like that. Um, so it didn't go completely unscathed. And of course, nothing was shut, shot down. So what do you do then? Well, you engage in some sort of subterfuge. And I am not a, a conspiracist at, at nature. And I don't lean in conspiracy very, very easily. But I can tell you that military and, and government have been known to just say put a spin on things and i understand that so now you've expended over 1400 rounds of ammunition you're the secretary of the navy what do you do well you basically say hey guys this was our guys and gals this was a false alarm uh it was just people with jitters is one of the one of the comments they made um you know, it was just it was just people from being scared that, that Pearl Harbor was happening on our shores. Well, okay, that that's fine, I, I guess. But there was a lot of people there that saw it, not just the soldiers, but there were people that were awoken by these sirens, their air raid sirens, and um, one of the one of the secretary of war's comments were well there was about uh let me see what the comment was there were numerous weather balloons that had been released over the area that night and quote they carried lights for tracking purposes and these lighted balloons were mistaken for enemy aircraft uh and also that shells bursted and um the 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 shells that burst at illuminated searchlights were mistaken for ground forces and enemy, enemy aircraft. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely ringing the BS alarm on this one. So, I know to date there is not a balloon, weather balloon, experimental balloon, mylar balloon, you name whatever kind of balloon you want. No balloon is going to survive an artillery strike. They won't. It won't happen. That's the whole point. Why would you have an artillery round strike a target like a balloon and be ineffective? Not only that, why put 1,400 rounds into it? There was no weather balloon. Could it have been jitter? Sure. But the part that that gets interesting is that as, as people do, there were, there may not have been iPhones, there may not have been, you know, internet or things like that, but there were still photographs and there was, there was cameras. So the Los Angeles Times published a photo and this was on February 26. So this is an incredibly famous photo. Uh, it's very likely that you've seen it. Um, it's it's the one where and it's in black and white, mind you, but it's where there's there's just like this uh, I don't know pyramid look of searchlights. I mean, they're all fixated on one single target. Now that's important to think about. If there were many weather balloons, why are they all engaging this one single target? Okay, so. This picture also shows tons of anti-aircraft artillery being fired, um, and it, it looks and has the feel of a worn, a war-taken photo at night. So, what is also interesting is that that particular photo has been has been researched and, and put through Photoshop and just done some amazing stuff to to look at and. 
you can see very clearly in certain negatives that there is a craft, or I should just say there is an object in the sky and it looks very, yeah, I mean, it looks like what you would expect a UFO, traditional UFO to look like, especially one from that era, rather. So, of course, you know, you've got a lot of people that are disproving that, that are saying, well, that's not the case. It was a weather balloon or that just the fact that all of these searchlights converge in one area and created this sort of visual effect to have it look like a craft. Now, I've had a lot of wool pull over my eyes in my time, some of which I've bought, some of which I haven't. Yeah, I'm not buying that one. I just think that I think that that a situation got out of hand and they were scrambling for some kind of uh, some kind of a way to explain that and explain the cost of that. So there you go. Not only did not only did this craft come by once. No. It decided to go south and then turn back around. Approximately 20 minutes after the firing died down, the ship returned and headed westward from Long Beach toward Santa Monica. The guns went into action again, hurling round after round of shells at the object. The second barrage appeared to be closer to downtown Los Angeles, since watchers could hear the concussion of the guns more clearly, and the flash of bursting shells was brighter. Then the ship disappeared for the second time over the ocean. What do you do? You know, what do you do with this information? It's It's been a long time. Um, who knows how much the original uh, information is still out there. I would imagine the Freedom of Information Act can get us some of that information. But, yeah, I mean, if there was an attack on an alien ship, clearly we did not win. I don't know that you'd win in an attack with an alien ship or what that would even look like. But we clearly did not impact this ship. Okay. So, let's play devil's advocate for just a minute. Let's say it was everything they told us. It was just jitters. Um, You know, we expended all this ordinance. There was nothing there. The first time. But it came back. It came back around. I don't know. It's just it's a it's a big pill to swallow. It's a it's a hard pill to swallow. Um, but again, the the proof back then was just photograph. And yeah, a lot of that stuff can be touched up. But you got to remember, at this particular time, there was so much going on with uh, with the country. You know, obviously being on the heels of uh, of Pearl Harbor, it was it was everybody was just at uh, at at mass amount of anxiety. So yeah, I can definitely see where where firing on something you thought was in the sky was was important. Now over 5, 1,400 rounds, I don't know, but sure, I could see where that could be uh, that that's plausible. But you know, I think at this particular point, it's up to you to decide whether or not you believe you know anything happened in in the skies over that night or over Los Angeles that night. Um, but at any rate. Are we as a as a species ready for for an I don't want to say alien because it just seems so rough, but an otherworldly experience? Um, I'd really like to think we are, but there's so much evidence that 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 tells me we're not. Um, you know, we're we're by nature we're very 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 uh, 
closed-minded. <laughs> it's true. Um, you know, so much so that when you think you're open-minded, you kind of just pound your chest and go, I'm an open-minded human because it, it is somewhat the uh, somewhat different than that. Um, so I would imagine uh, countries that, that, that are very entrenched in, entrenched in religion, and the U.S. is one of them, um, that becomes a very difficult thing to, to, I guess, without getting too much into detail, it becomes very difficult to explain. Um, but I, I personally don't think that. I think that that religion and theology and and belief and the existence of other beings are not mutually exclusive. So what does that look like? Let's say, let's play, let's just play fun for a minute. Let's say we're at New York City, okay? It makes me think of, makes me think of Independence Day, but uh, say we're in New York City. And because we have been attacked there of somewhat recent time, granted it wasn't three months ago, but, you know, it's been at least in my lifetime. So let's say we're in New York City and all of a sudden um, the president, I don't even know at this point, maybe it's the governor decides, hey, you know what? Let's shut all the lights down. Let's let's go dark. First of all, to shut an entire grid down these days, wow. Because not only has has that changed in in such a way from 1942. I mean, electricity powers everything. It powers our vehicles now. It powers our entire livelihood: televisions, computers, internet. It is our resource. It's a commodity. It is not a luxury. Unfortunately, some people don't have it, and that's that's terrible. But okay, so they go dark. Now you better have some explaining to do if you go dark, right? We'll cover that. Okay, so now all of a sudden you scramble the military. Well, being from the from a, a, a East Coast squadron, um, scrambling a master jet base. Guess what? We've been there. I've done it. Um, but you scramble a master jet base and you get you get these birds in the air, okay? Now, nowadays, our technology is way different than it was in 1942. But again, we're just playing our what would we what would we do hats uh, in the ring here. Um, that's terrible English. But uh, okay, so we scramble these jets and we chase after this thing. Now, even though we're much more technolo- technologically advanced than we were in 1942. I'm pretty sure whatever we're putting up there is not going to be anywhere as advanced and capable as what we think we're going to come up against, right? So you get these birds in the air and they're out there in lickety split time. They're there. And all of a sudden they're engaging a target. Okay. Well, what does that look like? Nowadays, granted it's missiles and, and what have you, and I'm sure our technology would keep us from from having that big of a whiff. I don't know. We don't know that. There's so much unknown on the other side. We only get 50% of the of the view here. Okay, so we fire on this thing and it does nothing. It stands there, flies there, hovers there, whatever it does. What do we do then? Okay, well, you do it again. You keep attacking this thing until somebody tells you not to. All right, so let's say you're the governor or the, the president and you said, okay, we are having no luck with this target, much like they did in Independence Day. Um, are you going to use nukes? Gosh, I hope not. I mean, first of all, it wouldn't even be effective. But um, so you, you attack this thing and all of a sudden 
not by way of nature of you attacking it, it moves or it goes and it takes off and it's gone, right? Whether it's through supersonic speed out of our universe or out of, I'm sorry, out of our, our atmosphere, whatever have you, it goes from stationary to gone at a blink of an eye. Not a single person could see where it went. What do we do at that point? Is it any different than what they did in 1942? People are going to scramble for an explanation. And I find that interesting because given our technology, technological advances and given our, our, what we perceive to be growth as, as a human species, we're still left with that same problem. How do you explain that? Now, okay, pictures these days and pictures from those days, yeah, they're vastly different. Everybody's got a mobile mobile uh, television studio in their pocket, and there would be so many cameras up at the sky, but would it make a difference? Would it make a difference if, if 30 million people saw the same thing or just those 1.5 million? I think, it, it. yeah, granted, you get more eyes on it, but it's still as unexplainable, okay? So now you're you're forced to to basically either backtrack or admit to the fact that there are beings from other planets now that particular part is is just play you know as we just brought up a a very 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 30,000 foot view on what we would do in, in something similar but it's not something out of the ordinary if you look uh, you know if you go online and you look up what what has been released within the last couple of years you know the the navy has come up against some crafts that they cannot explain so much to the fact that that the government has basically said hey this is a thing we don't know what it is now think about that for a second back in 1942 now granted that was a long time ago when you think of a, an average human's lifespan, okay? Uh, 1942, pretty soon we'll be looking at people who, who are no longer with us that can explain, us from that, or explain things from that time. But when you think about the grand scale of time, or grand scale of things, that is not a lot of time. And now all of a sudden we have gone from, we don't know, let's engage in subterfuge, let's, let's keep it from people, you know, Project Blue Book. And if you, if you haven't looked that up, you ought to, because uh, I will do a, a show on it at some point. But, uh, but yeah, you know, all this denial and, and, and all these other things that kept us from the truth, now they realize that's not the case anymore. Because we do have so much access to information and so much, I guess, so much access to the world that we did not have back then that they're pretty much throwing their hands up. Yeah, this stuff exists. We have no freaking clue what it is. Um, good luck. So, yeah, I mean, do you worry? Do you, do you think about, you know, your own, uh, your own family, your own homestead, things of that nature, how you protect yourself against potentially a threat? And that's the whole thing. We don't know. Um, there's too much unknown in this. But to say that that those folks in uh, in Los Angeles in 1942 were were acting a little bit crazy or or we question any of their motives and what they did, guys, we're in that position. I don't know that any of us, given the the knowledge that even we had today, if we were put there in 1942, let's say you strip away all our iPhones, strip away all our technology, and we quantum leap into 
1942 Los Angeles, and we're there at almost three o'clock in the morning, and we have nothing to to explain anything but our own eyes, and maybe people who have money have a photo or a camera to take photographs. Which, if I remember correctly, in 1942, we're talking about the ones where I think a little flap opens up, and you gotta there's these little knobs at the bottom. Anyway, it's not anything you, that that's fast. Would it? Would our ability to explain that situation be any different? No, not really. I mean, it still comes down to what a, an entire group of people saw, and what a a force could try to attack. It is just you're left with the the tangible assets of that time and I don't know that we'd have done any better and it's unfortunate because this this particular incident kind of gets swept under the rug I mean of course you got your Roswells you've got your um, you know you got your abductions you know I'm from Arizona and Travis Walton that's a that's a pretty big one for us um, fire in the sky and I'm definitely gonna do a show on that so don't worry but um, but yeah I, I don't know that we'd have done any better so with that being said, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter one. Uh, you know, we're doing the whole video thing, and and I appreciate appreciate you guys hanging out. Um, but please, if you're if you're watching us on YouTube, like and subscribe. It would obviously make a world of difference for us. If you're still on, um, or if you're still on, if you're listening to us on the podcast, wherever you do get your podcast, um, hey. If you're up to it, swing on over to YouTube, take a look. If not, please thank you so much for listening. Um, hopefully next week, I've got an idea of what I'd like to bring. Um, it, it has to do with cryptid. Um, yeah, we'll just kind of leave it at that. So anyway, once again, I'm Logan Mathias. I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining us and have a good night.